This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Morena, no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo Erorangi Onatangata O Manawatu. It is Thursday, the 8th of July. Uh, it is, what, 28 minutes to 9, and it is time to turn our attention on the catch up series to Horizons Regional Council. And in the studio, we have the chairperson of Horizons, Rachel Kidwell Atamarie. Morena Fraser. Uh, chairperson, not mayor. I've always wondered about that as a distinction. Is that because the area is too big for you to preside over? Hmm, I'm not quite sure on that. But the, the key difference is that I'm elected by my peers rather than by the public. Ah. So a mayor, you put, you tick the box on the ballot paper. Yeah. Me, I have to get people on side around the table because they could tomorrow decide they don't want me in this role and select someone else from around the table to be right, the chair. Right, that's the distinction. There mm-hmm. we go. Um, I, it's a tenuous link, but that's a sort of local government distinction and local government, uh, well, there's a lot of change and, and, and turbulence. It may not change, but turbulence in the local government area. I mean, we can touch on three waters uh, in a moment, but there's also a, a review of local government going on at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels a l- little bit late in some ways um, because if you look at the reason why is we've got three waters, mm-hmm. which is essentially going to take a big chunk of work away from local councils. There's the Resource Management Act is being completely restructured and uh, that's one of the proposals there is to have, instead of having every council has its own district plan, there would be just 16 regional plans. So it would be one big plan by the regional council. Um, so the, And there's all sorts of other decisions that can be made as to, to, to how that process is run. So there's some significant change being proposed mm-hmm. to the structure of local government, but yet we haven't actually sat down and said, well, what would be the best structure for local government? It's almost like, oh, actually, there's, there's going to be some change here. We better start thinking about it. So part of that process is the local government minister is ordered for a review to look at what is the best way to move forward. Um, and that process is underway at the moment. There's been a panel established and they're having conversations with councils to get out of us what we think works and doesn't work. And then it's actually quite a long process. I don't think they, their final report is due until April 2023. Good lot, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but they're doing quite extensive consultation. And uh, next year there will be a chance for public submissions on proposals that they put forward. Does it does it not come a point though? If your if your deadline is that far in advance, the stuff you're collecting today is going to be out of date by the time the report report comes out. Yeah, yeah, and it's a little bit out of sync with everything else that's going on as well. So it's yeah, I I, I get a little bit worried that the wheels are going to fall off because yep. so much change is happening and it's not necessarily being well coordinated. And 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 I. 
bang on about this on the catch-up, especially um, when Horizons are in the room. And in fact, the last time when uh, Michael McCartney was was here, um, this region is going to look so different in five to ten years with the the new route out east to, towards uh, Woodville and, and, and Hawke's Bay. Um, uh, Otaki to Levin is going to be done. The Kiwi Rail Freight Hub is going to be done. The wind farms are going up all over the place. This region's priorities and, and, and drivers and infrastructure is going to be completely different to what you might be consulted on now. Mm, yeah, and with population uh, growth, it, you know, there's things like um, the Hora Whenua, they are being brought into Wellington's plans for how they're moving forwards because with with the road, um, with train services, train services, Levin's almost becoming a suburb of mm-hmm. Wellington. Yep. So it's all of those questions as well. Are we are we lumped together in the right way? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Are they, are they um, you know, the way Horizons was put together was almost the leftover bits after all the other councils were lumped into geographical regions. Yep. And so I think those are some of the questions as well. And, and that's part of this restructure in the Resource Management Act is the Spatial Planning Act. So it's, it's looking at... Um, or strategic planning. So it's looking at exactly those questions. Mm. Which way is the growth going? What do we have to do to prepare for that? I, I, it strikes me as uh, – when if I think back to my days at the Community <laughs> Services Council in Palmerston North, um, I started there when National were in charge and encouraging local government to focus on infrastructure, pavements, waste, water, all that sort of thing. The Palmerston North City Council were commended, uh, and Manawatu District Council to a certain extent as well, for maintaining what they called the four well-beings, which I can't remember them off the top of my head. I know one was social well-being because we, the, the, these two councils that I referenced maintained uh, an element of social housing. And when the Labour government came in, it was re-legislated that the well-beings were part of local government. And now it appears that we're going the other way and that we're expecting councils to deal with the well-beings but maybe not the infrastructure side of stuff and the government's pulling the infrastructure out from under them. Yeah, that's what it looks like, doesn't it? It looks like the direction we're going. <laughs> Rachel's it's going, it. I'm not commenting on that. But yes, it does look like that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, that's the question. What is the role that's now left for mm. local government and probably some of the social stuff is the big role because that's that's why you know a lot of people interact with the city council because there's so much that the city council does that affects mm. them on a day-to-day basis. So is government doing enough to inform councils? And not to be confused with councils will probably always complain that there's not enough information because that's just how the narrative goes. But is the government putting the information out there or is there something missing in all this? Because a lot of people just seem to have a lot of questions around this whole issue, particularly around Three Waters. You know, um, people, um, Mayor Helen Warboys from Manawatu District Council has expressed concern that is this the start of all infrastructure being pulled out? Are roads going to be next? Are, you know, is there enough information out there or is there some sort of, I don't know, a conspiracy out there or something mm. that the government's weaking everything out and we're not going to have any councils in 10 years' time? Mm. Well, I mean, for me, it it's clearly points to the fact that we don't have um, good enough communication and working together between central and local government. Mm. And that's, that's part of when we had a workshop yesterday about the review. That was some of the feedback that was coming up mm. because – 
the central government, they have all these big aspirations and they say, so from a regional council perspective, they talk about the freshwater reforms. They can't implement that without the regional councils. Yep. So wouldn't it make sense to design it with the regional councils mm. rather than designing it in a back office and then telling the regional councils to go and implement it? And at that point, we say, hold on, mm. you know, we know parts of this isn't going to isn't going to fly. How about we do it differently? So, so some of those conversations happen far too late. Yeah. And th- if there's any reform, I would see that we need the local input into central government far earlier in the piece. I, so at the risk of sounding like a, a national MP, uh, is there a, a sense of a plan or is there – a sense of shooting from the hip. This is, you know, topical. You know, because the the three waters reform, or certainly freshwater reform, was as a result of things like the E. coli, I say outbreak, but incident in Hawkes Bay, PFAS, and Ohakia. Mm-hmm. Is it shooting from the hip? Is it responsive, or is there a sense of a plan to all of this? Oh, I'd hope they have a plan. I think a lot of the. But work, do you get a sense of a plan? Well, I think a lot of the work needs to be done, you know, the freshwater reform, the three waters reform, we've seriously got problems, Mm. right? But whether it's been addressed holistically enough or whether each minister who has a patch is proposing how they're going to deal with their bit Mm -hmm. and there hasn't been enough coordination overall, that's where I would get a bit worried. Are you happy with, uh, I think, the most recent uh, information that basically it sounds like there'll be a cut-off date and at that point – central government will take all the assets to deal with freshwater or wastewater um, and also take responsibility for any debt incurred in maintaining those assets. Is that a sensible idea? Well, we'll see if it works. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if the voluntary opt-in, opt-out is actually going to give the result the government wants. Well, that's the thing. Northland have opted out, haven't they? Mm, mm. And you just have, you know, Christchurch or Auckland opt-out and the whole thing falls over. Mm. Um, you mentioned briefly the RMA. This is something that I don't really understand, if I'm brutally honest. I know it stands for Resource Management Act, um, and the word act means legislation, not any perceived action, because apparently it's an unwieldy and slow beast to manage, and across the country, like you said, every council has its own district plan, so that is interpreted different ways. So, you know, Tangi Utakeri, uh, MP for Palmerston North, is part, I think, of the select committee or the working group that's trying to address some of this. Um, And you have consultation on an early draft of part of the replacement for the RMA. Oh, that says a lot about bureaucracy. Uh, So, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, so the the RMA, it it regulates what you do in the environment. So that's where all of the different plans that councils have come from. Mm -hmm. So it's trying to find that balance between protecting the environment but allowing development. Yes. And it was groundbreaking in itself when it came out in 1991, but it has it's been never really worked properly, though. N- not completely, mm. I don't think. I think I still think the intention is really good, but there's there's some aspects of it that haven't worked, and it's been amended so many times. I think if you printed the whole thing out, I, I don't know how many pages it's up to now. It but would it's, be an environmental incident yeah, if you exactly, printed it out. Yeah. Exactly, and. And, you know, there's some of the issues around development, people saying the RMA is holding up development. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's the way it's been done rather mm. than the way the Act's written. But the the proposal that's come out now is it will be replaced by three different Acts. Right. So you've got the Natural and Built Environments Act. So that's going to take over a lot of those main functions of regulating um, how the development and, and environment environmental protection works. And that's where I was saying it will be brought back to 16 regional plans rather than a whole bunch of district plans yeah. under a regional plan. 
and there will also be a Strategic Planning Act. So that's the one that, that's completely missing that councils haven't done is, is, is looking at you know, where is the land? What are the what's the infrastructure? It's some it's planning into mm. the future, um, rather than just you know making it up as we go along. Well, and the, there is a bit of that. We can see that in this area as well. I mean, my my point of reference is Palmerston North and Manawatu, but we can see uh, a lack of areas for development or lack of zoning for that. Mm. I mean, Ashurst's been hit pretty hard with rezoning. I think uh, Huanui, that community is a bit up in arms at the moment about the potential rezoning and uh, news headlines recently, Flyger's Line, I think, was it Flyger's Line or Flyger's Group? Uh, Fletcher's Group. Oh, someone can look at the Manawatu standard and figure it out. But basically, there are some people who were promised that the land that they looked out on was never going to be developed, and now mm, it is, and now they're mm. up. So there, there is that lack of foresight. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not quite sure exactly how that's supposed to work, because you do have the district plans that have the different zoning. So whether this act looks longer term and gives certainty over a longer time frame, I'm not sure, mm. still, still to see how that works. And then the third piece of legislation is one um, around, around, I can't remember its name, climate change Climate, climate adaptation. Um, so, oh, that sounds a bit bureau. Climate adaptation. Yeah, I don't so like it's, that. It's trying to pull together the strands across all of that, um, all of those areas of work where you've got to think about managed retreat or the impacts of rising sea levels mm. or other climate impacts through time. So it's making sure we're not ignoring that either. Yeah, that, that's a scary one. You, what, what did you say about retreat? Yeah, managed retreat. Managed retreat. So yeah. when the sea levels rise, we need to get people from Foxton and find them, put them on higher ground in a managed and, and calm yeah. way. It's not just coastal areas. It's it's the fact we've built on a lot of floodplains. So mm-hmm. we've got an area in the Whanganui and Zach Parade where we can't build the stop banks any higher. So they've only got a... a I can't even remember the number, one in 50 year return flood they're protected from. So, and where floods of that nature are getting bigger and bigger. So what do we do? Do we keep repairing those houses every time they get flooded? Mm-hmm. Or do we say, right, this area just isn't worth living in anymore and we pull out from it? Or, or do we raise the floor levels? Do yeah. we, you know, like we need to start thinking strategically rather than just building these stop banks higher and higher that at a certain point they're going to be overtopped or you know, they cause other problems in themselves. Do you think this 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 reform and 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 that act and the Climate Adaptation Act will raise the profile of issues like that in the public uh, mindset? Because I have never sat down and thought, my God, yes, we are going to have mm. to move people from some places that yeah. they're in. And but. I, oh, you know, you watch enough disaster movies, you know that's going to happen at some point. But actually planning for that that's and right. managing it, that's Rather kind than of scarier than reacting to it. Yeah, yeah. And we do need to start thinking about that. You know, even basic things, that example of Anzac Parade. So the last lot of flooding, a whole lot of houses were inhab- uninhabitable. Um, people sold them as is. Other people bought them for cheap mm. and then got them – uh, fixed up, and they're now getting insurance for them. Well, surely we shouldn't even be insuring them yeah. to drive the right behaviours. Um, and those houses now are worth a lot because prices have gone up, mm-hmm. but they're at a huge risk. And and it's not just houses. We've got all of the infrastructure. You know, there's hundreds of kilometres of pipelines of, you know, sewer pipes, our fresh water, yeah. um, communications, roads, all of these things that are at risk. And so that's part of what we're trying to do at Horizons across our regions is identify those vulnerability areas. Mm. 
And and can people see that on a map somewhere? Can they check if they're in a vulnerable area, or is that something that's a bit more complex? Not not yet. I would hope that's something that we do get to. We're, we've We've currently got a piece of work underway, a vulnerability assessment across the region, and Mm. it's pulling together all of that information. And uh, it may be that we can develop maps that start to inform those discussions. Mm. Um, And people should remember that, you know, this might take a while because Horizons is a huge area. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, So are you of the mindset then that the RMA should have just been tweaked and fixed as opposed to completely overhauled and replaced with three acts? Because at the moment, particularly that climate adaptation one sounds like a good one in just getting the public to realise what on earth is going on Mm. and where their focus areas should be. Yeah, I I think I might reserve judgment and see what happens. Um, You know, I'm not an RMA specialist, but... I don't think anyone is. (laughs) No. And that might be part of the problem as yeah. to why they need to change it. Uh, very good. We are here with Rachel Keedwell, Chairperson of Horizons Regional Council for The Catch-Up. Remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of The Catch-Up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. We are also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Um People will be aware because headlines were made across the city, district, region uh, that Molly Wards, I think across the country pretty much, uh, have been adopted uh, for next year's elections. There's going to be a lot of new Molly Wards set up. Uh, I say Molly Wards, there will be uh, Tangata Fenua at the table at most councils in the country. But between now and that election, there's the small matter of the representation review, um, not only to ascertain what Māori wards might look like, how many there might be, how they are disseminated across the region or the city or the district or whatever council you're interested in, but also wider representation review, which was kicked off by the Māori ward votes in a lot of cases because once you change that you've got to look at everything then don't that's you? That's right it's all on the table mm-hmm. and that's a really big job in Horizons because we have seven different constituencies well six actually that are roughly aligned along our district council boundaries so the Manawatu Rangitike district councils come together to form one constituency right. for us. Uh, so you know places like the city council because all of their their uh, councillors are at large they don't have um, wards anymore it's it's a lot more simple for them, they mm. just have to look at what what number, how many councillors therefore because it's worked out on a formula how many Māori councillors do you get out of that mm. uh, for us we're, <clears throat> we're looking at not only how many councillors but then how they're arranged across the region, the region's far too big to do it large yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah. because you have some, you know, the majority population is in Palmerston North if, if it was at large, I imagine, because of the voting base, that you would get 12 councillors from Palmerston North. Yeah. And, and, and that is not representative. No, no, no. And we're constantly told, you know, the, the voice from Narua Pihu, they're talking about quite different things mm-hmm. to what's happening in live in And the other thing that we found out from Michael, well, found out, a lot of people might have known this, uh, that we found out from Michael McCartney in the interview with him, is that Horizon's rates are... Uh, targeted and, and taken from certain areas. So if someone in Ruapeo said, well, I, I'm not happy with funding the Palmerston North bus service because I never use it. Well, you don't because right. the, the rates are se- separated out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other services, you do contribute because yes. things like the flood protection, 80% of that comes from 
the people who yes. benefit from it, and then twenty percent across the region. Yes. So there's a there's a swings and roundabouts thing that goes on. But in terms so, of representation, that, that, I mean, that, that it's a kind of holistic approach to representation. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. And so what we're now looking at is is the number of councillors. So if we have up to ten councillors in total, one of them will need to be a Māori seat. And if we have between 11 and 14, two of them will be Māori seats. Right. So that's based on the math, based on population size, how many are in the role, on the, each role. So then looking at that, okay, how do we distribute them? Because you, there are also rules about how many people must be per councillor. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like a fair representation. And that makes it really difficult for our region because you've got the Ruapehu region, which is the largest region that one of our councillors represents, yet the smallest population. Yep. And so they are, under the local government, the, the Act rules, they are over-represented, the Ruapehu, because they've got one councillor per 9,000 people rather than the one per 20 mm. or 30,000, depending on how we're divvying things up. But they've got the biggest region, the biggest area to cover. Yep. So it's almost like the rules aren't taking into account the reality yep. that we're dealing with. And and, and I guess on, on population numbers, if you're looking at Māori wards, does that mean that you take into account the population that are on the Māori electoral roll? Or do you take into account census data that where people... Seems, mm. Yeah, yeah. And so and this was part of the sticky part of the decision. Like one of our councillors voted against putting it in because he, in his mind, it wasn't fair that they couldn't change. So mm. you can't change from the Māori role to the general role for each election depending on how you want to vote. Yeah, you yeah. get a chance once every five years. I mean, that might change in the future, I don't know. So um, people might want to be on the Māori role for general elections because yeah. it makes a whole lot of sense, but for local body elections it might not make as mm. much sense. So it's a, it's it's not straightforward. It's I, I'm not so much talking about if people... Uh, are voting, you know, if you're if you're if you're uh, Mana Fenua, you're vote and you're on the uh, Maori roll, then you vote for the Maori seats on the council. But in terms of population data, in how many Maori seats there would be, mm. uh, as you said, representing how many Maori are in the Horizons Regional Council, do you go off the general roll data or do you go off census data? No, no, it's it's all still off the, the general role. role. Yeah, the general role versus the the Maori role. So there might be, I don't know, forty thousand Maori in mm. Horizons boundary, but only ten thousand are on the general role. Mm. So you take that ten thousand number as your representation number, ignoring that there are thirty thousand other Maori that. Mm could be represented even if they don't vote on that role. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't like mm. that. And the other thing is too, it's because we've got up to, I think it's 26 iwi and hapu groups mm-hmm. and we're only going to have potentially two Māori constituencies, it's not going to be a voice for the tangata whenua. No. Because it could be someone from the South Island from Naitahu that stands and gets yeah. on, right? So it's it's about bringing a Māori worldview to the table rather than a specific voice from a patch of horizons. But Iwi and Hapu will be aware of that. That's not going to be a surprise when the time comes. They know that the you know it's not 50-50. It's a conversation for a different time. This is the starting point. Um, so they know that this, that this is not going to be representative at a horizons level. It might be more at um, Manawatu District Council or the City Council, perhaps, because yeah. it's smaller areas. But, I mean, your consultation, I'm assuming at this point, reflects that. We were very careful. Thanks for anyone know. Yeah, we were very careful with the language mm. that it's Māori representation. Yeah, that it's not specific. It's not specific to the iwi of the mm. area. 
and, and it's, it's going to be the same. Whoever gets on, they have to be the voice across the region, the same as the, the oath that I swear when I, um, when I was elected isn't saying that I'm going to represent Palmerston North to no. the best of my ability. It's I'm going to represent the region, even That's though Palmerston North one. voted me in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and some people get a little bit tangled in that. They're pushing their own patch mm-hmm. rather than taking a step back and saying what's for the best of the region. And exactly the same principles will apply to those Māori seats when they come, when they come in. Indeed. We are here with Rachel Keedwell for the catch-up, looking at Horizons Regional Council. We've got about four minutes to go, and you said you don't push your own patch, Palmerston North. It's all about Horizons. So let's talk about the Palmerston North bus review with our time remaining. <laughs> uh, in early August, uh, there will be some consultation on this. Is this public consultation? Yes. Is this the, um, the, the time where people um, – I'm going to be really mean – not mean here, but I remember it being quite funny. Uh, people like Christy O'Sherell will come in with a brand new plan for the, the, the entire bus route system and the timetables and people can, you know, contribute. Yeah. Yep, it's that kind of thing. So we've, we're going out with a, a few key principles and we're wanting feedback on it. So with the bus service at the moment, the one we have, it's based on what's called a coverage model. Yes. So the buses try and cover as much of the city as possible. You've got a set budget, well, an amount of money that people are willing to pay. Yes. And you can either put it into putting lots of buses covering as much of the city as possible or the other proposal we're putting forward is covering slightly less of the city. So you might have to walk more than 400 metres to a bus stop. Mm-hmm. At the moment, the principle is 400 metres. It could be you might be 800 metres from a bus stop, but the buses go way more frequently, yeah. almost to the point where you don't need a timetable. Yeah. You know that you can go stand at a bus stop and within 15 minutes you'll be picked up. Yeah. So it's quite a different way a different way of looking at what we've always till now had for mm-hmm. public transport in the city. Um, but I think it will be, uh, if we went with the frequency model, it becomes a, a system that is it becomes more uh, competitive with taking the car. How do you think this is going to link in with the City Council's uh, moves, albeit on hold now, to address parking in the mm. city? Because one of the, the complaints around removing the free parking and making people have to pay by the hour, perhaps move their cars, cars of an evening, was that... These were these were, this was a lever being pulled in place to make people consider alternatives, but there aren't any There's alternatives no alternative. yet. Not yet. No, you know there right. isn't decent cycle lanes. There isn't uh, frequent enough public transport, and you know the square for all that it's beautiful during the daytime is not a good place if you're a woman on your own walking across there to get to your car at the end of the night. Yeah, yeah, and that's the tricky thing of of which lever do you pull first mm. and. Uh, it's the other bit about need us needing to work really closely with the city council because, of course, Horizons runs the buses, but the city has a whole lot of levers that they can pull. Um, I just look to the example of Massey when the congestion was so bad going up to Massey they were proposing building another bridge. Mm-hmm. Yet instead they put on free buses to get people to Massey, did that for six months. And that, so that was the carrot and then brought in the stick, which was starting to charge for parking up mm, in Massey. Mm. And that has completely shifted travel patterns. Tell me about it. I went up Massey. to Massey yesterday to go to a meeting. I couldn't find a park anywhere. Oh, it was supposed to make it better. There were more parks because Mm-mm. people took the bus. But so that's the that's the kind of principle that we're looking at and working with the council um, but, you know, getting them in the right order is really important. So will the city council submit to the consultation? 
Um, I'm Do, sure have they historically they, in the past? Well, they, they certainly have a right to, but we've been working closely with them. Mm. So our officers and their officers work together. We've got a governance group that's got city councillors and the mayor on it. So they should be all over it. But, um, you know, there's certainly nothing stopping them from putting in a formal submission, although I'd hope that the feedback they want to give us, they've been giving us up till now so that it's built into what we've come up with. 30 seconds. What is the thing that will make public transport more appealing for people? Because there are still a lot of empty buses outside of peak times. Is it frequency? Is it convenience? Is is it cost? What what do you think is the, the big thing that this consultation could focus on that would make a big difference? Yeah, it's it's finding out what the barriers are stopping people from using public transport. And it has to be competitive with the car. If it takes an hour to get into town based on walking and catching a bus and 15 minutes in the car, why would you take mm. the bus? We mm. have to change that. Uh, Chairperson Rachel Keedwell from Horizons, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. And remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch Up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. Back tomorrow at half past eight with Tangi Utikere, MP for Palmerston North. Join us then. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.